Hey everybody, welcome to The Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. On this episode, I'll be discussing Clue with Doug Clinton. Let's roll the film. Clue was released in 1985 from director Jonathan Lynn. Written by John Landis and Jonathan Lynn, the film stars Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKeon, and Martin Mull. So, you chose Clue as your movie, and as I always ask all of my co-hosts first, why did you choose Clue? You know, I'd say part of it is it's a seasonal movie. I mean, we're getting into October. It's Halloween. It's a it's a murder mystery. Sure. Um, and it's a movie. I mean, I just really enjoy it. Watch it probably a few times a month. Though that's a a bit misleading. Where it's something, it's a movie we've seen often enough that you know, my wife and I on a rainy afternoon or something, it's like, well, let's let's put on a movie if we kind of doze off and dip in and out that's okay. It's something we've seen. So Clue is something like that for us, where it's a good, it's like, I'll put Clue on and, you know, might kind of fall asleep and then wake up and you see a couple bits and certainly up by the end. That might seem odd to people that a movie I enjoy so much is something that can put me to sleep. But yeah, it's kind of a comfort food. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like wrapping yourself in a familiar blanket and just dozing off. Exactly. And yeah, it's just something, you know, the more the more I watch it, I think the more I get out of it. And I think it's just a very well-constructed movie. I agree. I have to say, too, that this was the first time I've seen Clue in its entirety from beginning to end because it's one of those movies that used to play on Comedy Central all the time. So I saw bits and pieces constantly, but never sat down for the entire thing. Yeah, and that was a change last night of actually sitting down and watching the movie <laughs> from beginning to end and saying, okay, we're going to stay. Right, right. So as I always do, we go into trivia. This is all from IMDb, so some people might be familiar with it. But a few things about this movie in particular are that this is the first movie based on a board game. And in addition to that, I might say also from an opinion standpoint that it might be the best movie based on a board game. Oh, I agree on that. And it's something I think it it lends itself, you know, the game lends itself to a story. Mm-hmm. You know, you're exploring a space, you're interacting with different characters, you're gathering information. I mean, I know there's a, a Monopoly movie coming out, and I just, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to add. And I think that Liam Neeson Battleship movie from right, right. a couple years ago was technically supposed to be based on that, which I have long maintained that the big missed opportunity in that, and I didn't see the movie, but this line would have been all over the trailers, is you never had Liam Neeson growling at a villain, you sunk my battleship. Yeah, completely missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parquet floor in the hall resembles the Clue game board, which I didn't even think to look for in the movie itself, but apparently is there. Yeah, and that production design is great. I mean, not the entire house. Oh, totally. Madeline Kahn's short flames on the side of my face monologue about her hatred for Yvette the French maid was ad-libbed and improvised, and you could tell. 
Yeah, and I think that's the only, from what I've read, is that's the only time anybody went off script. Mm -hmm. Even though you have some good improvisers, like Michael McKean plays Mr. Green, and he's in all those Christopher Guest movies. But, you know, I think for the most part it was a a tight script, but gotta let Metal and Khan do her thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The color of each character's car is the same color as their playing piece in the game. And to that similar vein, with the exception of Professor Plum, who actually wears a purple vest and suit, all of the other dinner guests wear clothing colors or accents that are the opposite of their respective pseudonym colors on the color wheel. Oh, okay. I'd noticed that with the cars, at least with Professor Plum's and Mrs. Peacock's, mm-hmm. I feel like are the two you get the best view of. But with Mr. or with Professor Plum, rather. With his vest, I'd noticed that, but yeah, I had never, I'd never put that together that everyone is the opposite color. Like, right, right, Scarlet right. wears a blue dress the whole time. Exactly. And Mrs. White is wearing primarily black and right. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the entire house is set except for the ballroom, which was shot on location at a mansion in Pasadena, California. So they were on a set the entire time except for that one place. And when are they in the ballroom? I feel like that's the one part of the house I'm never clear that they're in or when they're in it. Right, right. I agree with that. I know they mention it a couple times. Mm. Yeah, but they're very explicit about most of the other rooms, but not so much the ballroom for sure. Right. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Demi Moore, and Madonna were considered for the role of the buxom French maid Yvette. Eager to earn the part, Colleen Camp went to her audition in a French maid costume. In a 2013 BuzzFeed retrospective, director Jonathan Lynn admitted that although he was impressed with Camp's comedic acting skills, it was her well-endowed figure that ultimately convinced him there was no avoiding it. Yeah, and particularly uh, Professor Plum. You see leering at her cleavage a oh, lot. Yeah. yeah. There's several characters who make very blatant glances. Except for very pointedly not Mr. Green. Right, right. <laughs> He's got to play the part at least, right? Exactly. Yeah. Three endings were shot. Now, this was the thing that I had no idea about the movie and fascinated me the most about it. Is that three endings were shot and a different one was shown at each theater during its theatrical run. All three are included on the video. Uh, the DVD, however, aside from all three endings, also offers the option to play the movie with one randomly selected ending. In some cities, the newspaper print ads indicated which version was being shown at each theater by saying, like, ending A, ending B, or ending C. Right, and I think that's part of what led to the movie being kind of a flop, mm-hmm. that people said, well, they don't want to get the inferior ending. And I think I read in that, BuzzFeed retrospective that some local newspapers mislabeled movies, uh, mislabeled the endings. So, you know, people might have seen A twice. I really like the way they do it now when they they broadcast it or the, you know, straightforward video and DVD where they show all three endings Mm -hmm. in succession. You know, I was thinking about that. I, I think the most satisfying ending is the one that the final one they show that they sort of kind of the definitive ending what they say is the real ending at the right, end right yeah. where you know this is what really happened and essentially they all did it yep but you know i was i was the more i was thinking about it with those endings earlier today was 
why stop at three? I almost would have been, you know, why not do seven endings, have each one of them be the person who killed everyone, right, right. and then have that definitive ending. Though I guess if, again, the conceit was to show different endings in different theaters, yeah, which, I mean, maybe that would work better. I, I can imagine something like that on VOD now. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, it could you know, totally work better these days. Yeah. And some, I saw a few years ago a musical version of Clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, a different, a different script from the movie. But during intermission, the audience essentially voted on who the killer was. Oh, okay. And so, uh, Mr. Body was also kind of the narrator. Mm-hmm. And he had to memorize different sets of lyrics based on oh geez who the killer was each night, which I just thought was so impressive. That is impressive, insanely. Wow. Uh, lastly, in the trivia, the painting behind Mr. Body's chair in the dining room depicts Mr. Body in a butler's uniform, foreshadowing the revelation in ending C that Mr. Body was the real butler. I'd never noticed that. Nor did I, not while watching, because I, I check a lot of the trivia after watching it, so I wasn't on the lookout for that, but I will look into it afterwards for sure. Right. So one thing with uh, Lee Ving, who played Mr. Body, or it turned out the butler, right. was he, I mean, I've always felt like he was kind of the sore thumb in that cast anyway. 100%, yeah. And I guess he was... He was a lead singer of a rock band. And cast because of his name. Right. And that was the one where the director had, for the most part, the studio had said, well, what about this person? And he had said, well, I have my own choice. And that was the one one option that he said, well, I better say yes to one of the studio's suggestions. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really fit with the rest of the cast. And also, just with his manner, it's so it's so difficult to buy him as a butler. Oh, totally. I mean, he just would have. He was so you know rude and uncouth. I just that that's the one part where I said, well, you know, maybe if they'd cast somebody else, it would have would have fit a little better. Right. One of the things I had read is that he was actually cast because his name was Lee Ving, and since he was the first victim, it was supposed to foreshadow that he would soon be leaving the movie. Oh, that is, I, I do like that. And <laughs> I, I had thought with his name that that is a great pun name. Right, right. If you can't enjoy pun names, then I don't think you can enjoy life. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so to run through the movie itself a little bit, kind of go through chronologically and give our thoughts. The movie starts off with Wadsworth the butler arriving at the mansion, uh, walks in on Yvette dancing. It quickly establishes her character between the dancing and his pretty blatant glance at her chest. I thought it was interesting. This is one bit that they started off, but I don't feel like they really paid off unless maybe I didn't notice the payoff. When the guests are arriving and even a vet did this too, they were all kind of sniffing the air and then sniffed their shoes after they encounter Wadsworth, but they never really gave a reason for that. Oh, well, he stepped in dog poop. On his oh, way did. in, okay. yep. and he scrapes his foot off. Oh, I and missed that then, yeah. Yeah, there's this kind of old-fashioned metal scraper right by the front door. So when he walks in, so everyone is smelling Wadsworth, 
and checking themselves. Right, right. I I had actually put something in in my notes about that of it's a it's a poop joke and it's actually very subtle. Right, right, incredibly subtle. Yeah. Uh, they then go on to dinner, and Mr. Green is uh, accident-prone and keeps claiming himself to be so, spilling things on different people. I feel like, considering a reveal we get in Ending C, that's his, like, Clark Kenting of himself. Like, oh, I'm just a bumbling fool. Uh, I like that, yeah. And, you know, I also like, uh, doubling back a little bit, that whole business with uh, alias their aliases that... Mm-hmm. Obviously, these aren't any of their real names. I, I liked how they handled it of this is a thing, and then they just moved on from it. Right, right. I mean, they it just say, this is what we're doing, let's go. Yeah, it's not like Reservoir Dogs, where they... Right, right. There's a whole scene just about these are these aliases, where it's, okay, we're going to establish these are people's names, and we're going to move off that point. Right, right. The guests do also establish, in addition to their aliases, that they're all in some way tied to the government and to D.C. Right. And that's something else that came about in that um, that BuzzFeed retrospective of Jonathan Lynn, who wrote and directed it. He had some older screenwriting friends who had been affected by the, the Hollywood blacklist. Mm-hmm. So the whole notion of, you know, bringing in McCarthyism and atomic weapons and communism as a red herring all was drawn from that. Right. They then adjourn to the study for coffee and brandy. Uh, Wadsworth has an envelope with instructions waiting for him. Mr. Body attempts to leave and Wadsworth tells him the doors are locked and that the windows are barred. And then reveals that they're all there because they're all being blackmailed. So now we're seeing kind of the bigger plot taking shape in the movie here. Yeah, and it's, again, I like the the simplicity of this is why they're all there. That blackmail is a nice, straightforward kind of re- reason to have everyone there. And they, you know, with each of the characters, they get into more of what they what they've actually done what they're being blackmailed for right but again it's yeah i think just there's such a, a lot of elegant solutions to you have to base a movie on a board game and how do you make these names make sense and how do you put these people in in one place to kick off the story there are so many great like little bits in the movie too, and one of the early ones that I enjoyed is when Mrs. White is revealing like how her husband was killed and then his head was cut off and so was something else. All the men crossed their legs in discomfort in unison. That was awesome. Right. And yeah, there is a lot of little innuendo like that. I mean, despite something with however many murders it ends up, I think it's six is the mm-hmm. body count at the end. Or seven, um, depending on the ending. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that with uh with Wadsworth at the right, end. Right. But yeah, for you know, it's they get they get away with some things like that with some innuendo, but it's again, you know, there's no no foul language, the violence isn't over the top, but they're able to, you know, make make some fun grown up jokes in there. Right. Mr. Body reveals himself as the blackmailer and gives them each a package which contains one of the weapons from the game, so uh, they weren't, like, necessarily screaming the game stuff in your face all the time, but I think the way that they worked it in was really well done, especially with stuff like this. And he suggests that someone kill Wadsworth to avoid them all being exposed, hits the lights, the gunshots heard, 
Mrs. Peacock turns the lights on and Mr. Body is dead, even though, like you kind of mentioned earlier on, his acting abilities had died pretty much from the first time he opened his mouth. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I think that's something with the reveal with the weapons is it trades on, you know, the audience's goodwill with the game. Uh, sure. There are things you were expecting of if you're seeing Clue the movie, which again is why I feel like it lends itself so well to as as a board game to an adaptation. I mean, if you're making a connect for the movie, which I don't think anyone's <laughs> threatened to yet. Not yet. I, I don't know, uh, other than Pretty Sneaky Sis, I don't know what, what you're really waiting for in that movie. Right, right. It, it makes sense to go with a comedy, like you were saying, the comparison of Battleship earlier that tried to... I don't. I didn't see it either, so maybe it had a tongue-in-cheek piece to it, but it didn't portray itself to. But I think going with a comedy for something like Clue made way more sense, because you have just more... You, you get more slack from the audience with what you're trying to do. Exactly, and... The way it's a comedy, too, where it's such a throwback to the era it takes place in, where it's this really screwball energy, and the dialogue is so fast, and there's all this wordplay that's going back and forth. And I can't remember now if Clue is another nostalgia property that they're talking about remaking. Mm -hmm. But one reason I don't know that they could make a movie this this good today is that to me what really makes the comedy work is they play everything straight mm -hmm. and hollywood's really developed a sincerity problem where it's winking at the audience about a like i enjoy the work of um christopher miller and phil lord and you know lego movie and 21 mm -hmm. jump street and all that but 21 jump street has Ice Cube literally saying, I am an angry black police captain. Right. And I feel like a movie like Clue, if it was made today, there would just be a lot more asides and winking to the audience about the absurdity of adapting a board game into a movie and the way they do it of just playing it, like I said, completely straight, I think really just makes it funnier. Right. I agree. Uh, Wadsworth admits that while he was Mr. Body's butler, he wrote the letters because his wife had been blackmailed, so he's also a victim of the blackmailing scheme. Uh, they all kind of head to the kitchen, and they suspect that the cook might be the killer rushing in there, and her body then falls out of the closet with a knife in her back, which is the, since Mr. Body being killed is like another big thing of how the hell did that happen? We were all right here. Right, and that's when... With the endings, I'm kind of jumping ahead, That's I fine. know, but I think it had been so long since I'd really, or I don't know that I'd ever really tried to really document the movie as I was watching it and how does it fit into all three endings. Mm -hmm. And I, this was the first time that I had noticed that Mrs. Peacock is in fact absent when they're all in this huddle together. Right. And, you know, it was her cook, but then I trying the, the other part jumping ahead on this is I was trying to figure out, and I still don't have it exactly pinpointed where the three endings diverge of what was the point where, you know, the movie is exactly the same up to this minute. And then they go off because I think, 
I actually did read that point of divergence. I know exactly what it is. It, when is it? It is when Wadsworth cuts the lights during his reenactment. Okay. So it's further further on than I thought it was. Oh, yeah. Way down there. Because I was thinking it was back around when the singing telegram girl is, they bring her body in. Okay. Who was, that was fun trivia for you. Uh, Jane Weedlin, I believe is her name, who played the singing telegram girl, was a member of the Go-Go's. Oh, okay. In the 80s, and she also played Joan of Arc in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. So, I guess with the with the various endings, I think, because there are points where either under, under Miss Scarlet's direction that Yvette kills the cook, mm-hmm. and I don't know if in that kind of final definitive version she still kills the cook, or if Mrs. Peacock does... You know, it was making notes of who killed who and in which ending. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't by the end. I was like, well, did Mrs. Peacock even kill anybody in the the third ending? Right, right. But yeah, and that just getting back to that, that is, I f- remember the the first time I watched the movie at a, a friend's. I think you know, er, in the early VHS days, that that cook falling out of the uh, out of the refrigerator was just such a iconic, memorable scene to me at the time. Oh, totally. And we we kind of knew it was coming, and yet it was still shocking anyway. Yeah, and you know, going back, going back to the first time I saw it, you know, I'm sure I was eight, nine, ten, something like that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I knew it was a comedy then. I thought it was this murder mystery. <laughs> right, right. Whole different sensibility when you're not really sure. When you're that young. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, they go back to the study. They bring the cook's body there, only to find Mr. Body's body is gone. And there's a whole joke about Mr. Body's body and body body. Uh, Mrs. Peacock goes to use the powder room and screams when Mr. Body's body falls on her in the hallway. He now seems to have been plunged into de- to death, suggesting that he was not actually dead before. So as a result, they lock up all those weapons, throw the key out the front door, only to find the stranger whose car has been broken down, who they bring inside to the lounge. And lock them in there. As one does. As one does, of course. Because when you're panicking, you just lock people everywhere. Exactly. Uh, They draw matches, and they have the different lengths to determine the pairs. They split up to search the house. And now is where the paranoia really sets into all the characters, especially when they're paired with the people who they least seem to want to be with. Yeah, I really like Christopher Lloyd's line reading (laughs) to Mrs. Peacock of... Looks like it's you and me, honey bunch. (laughs) And I think, because both movies came out in 1985, I think he had just filmed Back to the Future Mm -hmm. when he did Clue. And I'm just so impressed because Doc Brown is such a warm, enthusiastic, admirable character, and Professor Plum is just so sleazy. (laughs) Yeah, he's just filthy. The uh, police are then shown to be on the way, although I think we're led to believe this is the police that was called earlier, but it's we learn it is actually another kind of officer operating outside of that call. But he gets distracted by a car on the side of the road. Uh, a gloved hand is now shown burning all the blackmail evidence while the stranger's on the phone talking about how he's scared. And one of the guests is his former boss, which is now giving us kind of a little foreshadowing that the other people coming toward the house are not all as innocent as they might seem to be. 
Right. Yeah, I think with the police, where early on Wadsworth says, the police will be here in 39 minutes. Mm-hmm. But then I think later he says he was lying, but the police officer had seen either the motorist's car or I guess it could have been Miss Scarlet's car because she broke down on the mm-hmm. way. But that's what brought him to the house. And then the police officer is just so oblivious and friendly to everything that's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. He was the worst police officer ever. <laughs> he really was. And then the motorist is killed with the wrench. Yep. And in the third ending, it's revealed because he was Colonel Mustard's driver during the war and yes. knew Colonel Mustard was war profiteer. And at the beginning, Colonel Mustard had been given the wrench. True. I didn't and even think of that. There, I, I think a number of the a number of the killings of Mrs. White had been given the rope, mm-hmm. and that's what she used on Yvette. Mm-hmm. Miss Peacock had the knife, and the cook was killed with the knife. True. Um, and then you know that's another one where it gets a little muddy. Where Professor Plum had the gun, and the singing telegram girl was certainly his business, right? Because it was how he'd lost his license because she had been his patient. But that that's another one where it, those three endings, it kind of gets a little dizzying of who did what when. True. Absolutely But again, true. you know, Plum was who had the revolver at the beginning. So that that was something I, I had not picked up on of how many clues were hiding in plain sight of mm-hmm. the people who were assigned these weapons, by and large, were the ones who used them. Right, right. Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet find the dead body after going through the secret passage of the uh, motorist that came into the house. There's a mishap with the gun, which causes the chandelier to fall and break, almost killing Colonel Mustard, which was a great little bit. Yeah. Uh, the officer, the worst officer ever, <laughs> arrives <laughs> and asks to come inside and use the phone, which they lock him in the library right away. And he's still kind of like dumbfounded. At, like, why would you lock me in there? As soon as you lock an officer in a room... It's on. Like, you're screwed. Right. They should have known that from the beginning. Well, and then they still... But he... I think when he demands to be let out... Mm-hmm. Well, and then when he demands to be let out, he's like, Oh, I was just... I just yelled murder because I wanted you guys to let me out. Right. And then just that whole bit where he's going through and they're making it look like the uh, motorist had too much to drink. and then, Right, right. And they're dancing with the corpses and stuff. Yeah. That was very, very well done. Yeah. They even had uh, Mrs. Peacock behind the one to have her arms kind of like an improv bit in there. (laughs) And then just the Colonel Mustard so (laughs) obviously pulls the cook's eyes open. Oh, yeah. But it still works. Yeah, I mean, Michael McKean as Mr. Green is definitely, I'd say, the all-star in terms of physical comedy in the movie but especially in that sequence they all sure. all get to get in on it uh they end up when they lock the uh police officer in the library he gets the call from someone identifying themselves as j edgar hoover which doesn't seem to be i mean it seems like a big deal but it pays off in two of the three endings but not all three so if one of them is the ending you saw in the movies you'd probably be like well what was that all about yeah because it's in the 
it's in the, in the peacock, peacock ending. ending and in ending C, the big one, but it's not right. in Miss Scarlet's ending at all. No. And does does the Jehovah's Witness come into it in, in the second three. one either? In all three? All three. But just, yeah, Hoover doesn't get paid off in that one. I had, Yeah, I guess that would just be a, a non sequitur. Right. So the guests continue to search the house. They lock the police officer up again for some reason. and <laughs> They continue <laughs> to move around. Uh, we see the glove hand shut off the power. Yvette sneaks into a room and speaks to someone without her accent and gets a noose thrown over her neck, which is interesting that it was a male's voice, considering that we later find out that Mrs. White is the one that killed her. Yeah, or it's always a woman, and because it's Scarlet or Peacock or Mrs. White. Right, and yet and we all... hear a male's voice there. I mean, I... I don't know that it was clearly a male voice. I think it was just trying to be a, a neutral voice if you can't identify who this is. But mm-hmm. yet my wife pointed out that she speaks without her accent, but then her accent comes back as she's being strangled. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is it's just such a I I kind of love it that they made right, that right, choice. Right. <laughs> Uh, the doorbell then rings again, and the singing telegram lady shows up, starts singing, and is shot by a gun almost instantly. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough review for your singing, I guess. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Wadsworth turns the power back on, and the guests find a vet, the officer, and the singing telegram lady all dead. Then Wadsworth says, at this point, he's figured out who did it and how it all happened, and the greatest bit of the movie begins to unfold as he basically reenacts everything that happened up to that point yeah which is again just a great the physical comedy and his work and running around especially when he keeps throwing mr green down and amazing amazing and And he's like all running in a big group from here and there i love when mr green's like would you stop and he's like no (laughs) he's just gonna keep beating the crap out of him yep uh he also reveals that yvette and the cook were accomplices of mr bodies at this point and that all of the victims were linked to one of the guests' wrongdoings in some way. Yeah, which, again, is I, I like that the, the structure of the movie that everybody, that there's a reason for everybody who shows up. And it's a good way to have multiple mysteries. Of, you're right. not, they're not just trying to solve one murder. Right. I would have loved to see the flowchart that the writers threw up on the wall to keep track of everything. Oh my gosh, yeah, that just has to be. And again, the the other night when I was watching it, taking notes, and again, this is a movie I've seen many times, and sometimes just in bits and pieces, but mm-hmm. I still don't know that I could completely accurately chart that movie. <laughs> right, oh, I know, I don't think I could either. Um, we then get Wadsworth accusing Yvette of being one of the primary killers, and then we get the kind of divergence of the resulting affiliation or accomplice in this. Ending A, uh, we have Miss Scarlet being behind it all, who has the gun in her purse, admits it all, and is therefore subdued and arrested, and probably the least complicated and shortest ending of the three. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess that's my second favorite of, I think, the, um, you know, ending C kind of the definitive one mm-hmm. uh, but i don't know for sure that i've seen leslie and warren who plays miss scarlet in anything else it's a it's a name i've always been familiar with of leslie right, and right. warren that's an actress but she is just so much fun in that 
She really is. Uh, and especially at her ending and when, <laughs> when she turns on Wadsworth and it said, you, Wadsworth, as a mere butler, have no <laughs> no value. <laughs> it's just so great. Yeah. Oh, she's a super fun character. Yeah. Uh, ending B, we then, instead of having being Miss Scarlet, it said that Mrs. Peacock is behind it all. She has the gun in her purse and also admits it. Wadsworth convinces her they'll just pretend it didn't happen and go their separate ways. So she leaves the mansion and then he tells everyone else that he's working for the FBI. Hence the call earlier from Hoover. So that's where that gets paid off. And then the police arrest Peacock when she's outside. However, that's actually a change from what they originally did during that ending. Are you familiar with the original one? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, so... In the original one that they kind of recorded, re-recorded a line of dialogue, apparently they end up killing Mrs. Peacock, the guy who was the Jehovah's Witness, who then is revealed to be one of the police officers, shoots her, but they re-recorded the line of dialogue with her saying, or uh, recorded, I should say, and placed in the line of dialogue where she's like, I'm a senator's wife, so he doesn't kill her as a result, but if you look, you can still see his gun smoking when it cuts back as if he just fired it off. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, that's that that would have been a bit darker. <laughs> right, right. I think is an end. And yet that's the I I guess they're trying to pay off a little bit of she had been the most frightened and clueless of all of them. And definitely the character that's easiest to hate. Right. And I mean Miss Scarlet, it's just sort of, you know, just Again, to go back to that performance of the whole when they're going through the blackmail plot, she's very proudly saying, oh, I did what I'm being blackmailed for. Right, right. Yeah, she just owns everything. <laughs> so, yeah, with with Mrs. Peacock, it just that that that's the ending that seems the most arbitrary to me mm -hmm. of the three. And speaking of the three endings, the final one, the one that the movie says is the real ending, which I almost wish they didn't just because I like the idea of having a choose-your-own-adventure kind of style. Right. In the in the quote-unquote real ending, Wadsworth is actually Mr. Body, and the other guests have all killed someone at this point, except for Mr. Green, who is revealed to actually be an FBI agent. The call from Hoover was paid off here uh, because it was for him, and he ends the movie by saying that he killed Mr. Body in the hall with the revolver, which I love that bit, and that he's going home to sleep with his wife. Right. <laughs> that is... And he's not actually a homosexual, because they apparently had not. to do that at the end of the movie. Which is, I mean, again, another, I mean, I guess that's always, always something that's, that's difficult for people to own or not, but especially during that era. Right, right. Be, and might be, be more likely to lose his job for that. Sure, uh, sure. But yeah, that's just such a fun, fun way to end it. Yeah. Is that he, you know, you really get the, as you would say in the game, the, the character, the weapon, the place, and then just that I'm going home to sleep with my wife is just such a killer line. Right, right. <laughs> I do have to say, though, out of the three endings, my opinion differs a little bit from yours. The While the ending A is a fun ending, it's the one I found the least believable of the three. Mrs. Peacock being behind it all is actually the one that I preferred even over the real ending. Really? Mainly, yeah, mainly because... And maybe you can explain this to me. Maybe it's another thing I missed, like the the poop earlier in the movie. But uh, why would Mr. Body bring all the people he's blackmailing to one place just to kill a bunch of accomplices when he could just keep blackmailing them when the whole point of doing it in the end, he's just 
still blackmailing them. Like, it seems like a lot of nothing for nothing. That's true. There, that is a, I, I hadn't thought it through that way that it's, there's so much misdirection going on. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a similar criticism you can lay at the feet of the usual suspects sure. of he went to all this trouble to kill the one person who could identify him. And now a lot more people can identify him. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it seemed like a lot of hassle for, no effect whatsoever. Right. Or yeah, what his what his end game would have been. Yeah. I mean, I like the twist of Mr. Green being the plant. I enjoy that. But the the rest of the motive didn't quite fit for me. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. Uh that's pretty much all I have though. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, you know, one thing just uh, I've touched on individual performances here and there, but just another remark on the cast uh, where it's, you can't call it an all-star cast, but it's like a B-plus cast. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, I mean, it's a, it's a real ensemble and no, no offense to any hardcore Rocky Horror Picture Show fans out there, but the closest thing the movie has to a true star is Tim Curry, who isn't really, I don't, I don't think there was ever an era where someone was like, hot dang, going out to see the new Tim Curry picture. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was certainly a movie that the cast came together to almost create this chemistry that couldn't have worked any other way. Exactly, yeah. I, I think that is something, if you change the casting of any any one part, that would it would be be a very different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the other thing I had in my notes that I really really like to, to pull out there is um, the score is really good. I mean, it's especially at the beginning, it, it sounds like it could be the opening to a Hitchcock movie. And then at the end, when they're zipping through the different, different endings, it's just that, you know, really up tempo body French farce kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, kind of tune to it. So I think they, they did a really good job with the music, which Agreed. is something that I, I don't, normally single out when i watch a movie so right but yeah i think that's um we covered all the the important parts um i guess something i could recommend for further viewing if you enjoyed this Mm -hmm. is um a movie that also has eileen brennan who played uh mrs peacock but there's a movie that came out i want to say in the 70s called murder by death okay and it's it was written by Neil Simon, and it's a similar premise of, you know, all these characters invited to a mansion and they have to sur- solve a mystery. But what they do is all of the characters are supposed to be, it's supposed to be the world's greatest detectives. Okay. And since they can't actually use the names, they change them slightly, but there's a character who's very clearly supposed to be Miss Marple and one who's supposed to be like Hercule Poirot and one who's supposed to be like Sam Spade. And then, um, Oh, the fellow from the thin man and Charlie Chan. So that's, Mm -hmm. it's a, a fun, fun companion piece to this one. I would say I, I prefer clue, but that's a, a, a similar movie. That's a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, well, as we start to wrap up, is there anything that we can plug for you, social media, anything like that? Um, the big thing 
is I write for a podcast called It's About Time, mm -hmm. uh, which is it's a time travel comedy drama. Uh, it's available on iTunes. And then our website is it's about time travel agency.com. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Doug. Always a pleasure. Random Movie Club is a production of The Geek Generation. You can get every episode along with everything else we do over at thegeekgeneration.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our flagship podcast, The Geek Generation, available both on the site and on iTunes. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstead Music for our theme song. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss October Sky. See you then.